So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now, with your hosts, Jean Victoria Norlock and Rick O'Shields, bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I am, yet again, Rico Shields, and fur to my north, way over there, in the mountains of Quebec, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm good. I'm wrestling with my heater, though. Ah. See? Bang. Moving it. Heater wrestling? <laughs> heater wrestling, yeah. That's a, probably a new one. <clears throat> <laughs> I've seen that before. Well, I saw an appliance guy do it the time. But. Yes, there's no um, for wood stove in the uh, in the studio. So, it's a tad chilly. Heaters, yes, well, but you brought an extra heater just because. Yes, I did. Have and two it's of them. Misbehaving. It's like being in a toaster. <laughs> you have a heater on either side. That was the plan. If it would behave, it'd be doing great. But um, I don't know. What do we got in the news today, Rick? Because I'm sure nobody wants to hear about how cold I am because that's boring. Yeah, because then I'll tell them what the weather's like here in Phoenix and you, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, gosh, I don't know. What do we have in the news today? <clears throat> I'm sure there was something good. There was. Oh, the, I just can't remember what it was. The uh, government panel, perhaps? Yes. There's a oh, yes. privacy and civil liberties panel that was finally made official and independent by Congress back in 2007, and they have filed their 200 and some odd page report that all of this telephone data gathering and th- it's illegal, which is hardly a surprise to me. But they say it's illegal and it should stop. It's always good. It's always good when, you know, um, the organizations that are advising the government back up the common sense that the people have been (laughs) trying to share for years. Um, No, it's awesome. Always a good step in the right direction. Every little baby step helps. Absolutely. Very cool. And we we always try to celebrate even the littlest budge in the right direction because that's how you keep it going that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when we first started doing the show, people would give us a hard time about that. They occasionally still give us a hard time about that. but Not as often anymore, no, though. Not as often. that. Yeah. Oh, it's, I think it's good that. Times must be changing. That they are. That they are. And I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Judith and folks over at uh, this really cool little 
bookstore here in, uh, well, it's in Scottsdale, uh, called A Piece of the Universe, P-E-A-C-E, A Piece of the Universe, and uh, had a lovely chat with her this afternoon, and, and uh, looking forward to, she says she likes what we're doing, and she's going to tell people about it, so we always love that. Well, so I have to absolutely. beat her to the punch, tell folks about her absolutely. first. Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it in the news today. I mean, it's really, I haven't been around much today, so I don't know what's going on in the world. So why don't we just cut yeah, my usual news, bring our guest on. Uh, my usual news review time was taken up over at the Metaphysical Bookstore, which is which is a well, pretty good go. trade-out, I think, you know, really. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we do have a, a very interesting guest with us that is... Uh, Goodness gracious me. There's so many topics that uh, uh, she can comment on and, 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 and probably do a whole show on that it's going to be very inter- I'm very interested to see where we end up on our journey tonight. Right. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot to choose from. <laughs> and, gosh, labels. I, I don't know of any good labels to put. There's some that have been sent, you know, but I labels. Uh, we'll just go with the name label. That we have with us this evening, Teal Scott. How are you, Teal? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. We're so glad that you had time to hang out with us tonight. I'm glad, too. Yeah, you're a busy lady. So, um, <laughs> yeah. guess it's, it's time for the big, scary question. Okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> yes, I'm getting myself prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Who on earth are you and what do you do? Who on earth am I and what do I do? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, I am somebody who suffered a lot in my life, and after deciding to live, I guess, I decided that there was enough beneficial about this life and about this world that I wanted to help other people find that same benefit. I've never given that answer before. It's weird that that just came up. But basically, that's led me to being a spiritual guide, essentially, or a spiritual leader. So what I do is I go around the world to all these different cities, and I host these workshops, synchronization workshops, where I help people align with whatever it is that they desire, meaning that people will come on stage one by one. Maybe one person has an issue with money, another person has an issue with chronic illness, another person has an issue with relationships. And as I help that person who's on stage with me, it's an understanding, of course, that the hundreds of other people that are in the audience are also receiving that kind of healing. So it's a collective group healing. That's very cool work, sounds to me. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, so I'm curious. Um, you mentioned that you suffered. So how do you go from suffering? Maybe you can share a bit about your background and, and the transition into suffering to celebrating. From suffering to celebrating. I love that That's transition. It's a fun transition to make, yes. <laughs> right? And, and yeah, so many people are doing it now. Mm-hmm. We've done it. Indeed. It's a really long story, for sure. Basically, when I was really young, I was born with extrasensory abilities. So those are the abilities which enable you to see beyond the dimension which we're currently in, this physical dimension. And so I had clairvoyance and clairaudience and clairsentience. 
And so as a little kid, it was really difficult, of course, being part of society. And my parents, who were super hyper-scientific people, had no idea what was going on with me because on a spiritual level, they were just not very um, experienced. So giving birth to this kid, me, who <laughs> was seeing auras and talking about how I couldn't stand hearing everybody's thoughts and who would talk to people about their dead relatives when I had never met them, it freaked my parents out. And they tried to cope with it as best as they could, but they decided to take a job in the incredibly rural area of Utah, and they didn't understand the fact that there would be such intense um, religious dogma in the area. And basically where I grew up is predominantly Mormons. It's LDS. But there are a lot of offshoots to the Mormon religion. I'm sure that most people who are listening to this interview have heard of the FLDS because they've been the topic of controversy in mainstream media for so long. The group, which is a cult group actually, which I ended up being inducted into at six years old, was a, like an offshoot of that, sort of similar to the FLDS, but they believe in the concept of blood atonement. It's a cult that's called the Blood Covenant. So it was a family friend that my parents didn't know was, was part of this, but my parents trusted this man essentially as my mentor, and he was the one that inducted me into the cult, and he ended up actually being a complete psychopath with multiple personality issues, and I ended up getting ritually tortured from the age of six to the age of 19. And I escaped when I was 19 years old after just years and years of incredible torture, sexually, emotionally, and physically, and um, I was a mess. Basically, when I, I tried to commit suicide three times by that point, and when I got away, I just didn't want to live because you don't come out of a situation like that and reintegrate society very gracefully because you can't live a normal life because you haven't been living a normal life and nobody has taught you how to do that. So I struggled. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I struggled forever. I mean, <laughs> I literally just felt like nonstop. It was just I was really super self-abusive. I was a self-mutilator for years, and... Um, besides that, I didn't understand. Obviously, when you grow up with extreme levels of sexual abuse, you don't have any boundaries. And so I didn't understand that if somebody did something nice to me, sleeping with them immediately after was not an appropriate response. <laughs> um, I had to work with a lot of programming, too, because cults do mental programming with electroshock torture and things like that. So I had long-term seizures because of that as well. And... I'd go to therapy, essentially. I went into sports, but that's a whole other story. But after I got out of sports, I ended up going into therapy because a guy who I was dating at the time said he couldn't be with me if I didn't because <laughs> I was too difficult to be with. So he ended up dragging me into a rape crisis center, and um, I basically told them sort of some of the stuff that I had been going through as a child, and they, of course, got their faces went white, and they were like, well, this is way over our heads. We don't know how to deal with something like this. But they eventually did direct me to an amazing psychologist whose entire specialty is ritual abuse, and it's sort of upsetting in the in the West that that can be a specialty. You know, there's enough women, especially coming out of Idaho, yeah. Utah. Yeah, really, right? When it's I when crazy I found out that there's an actual profession centered around that, that oh yeah, that the need is there to the extent that that wow, oh yeah, and she yeah. sees hundreds, about eighty to a hundred clients per like at a time basically is what she's seeing so if that tells you how big of a prevalent issue it is in this area <laughs> but 
I went to therapy and it was a, a mess. I think it was actually even worse than going through all of the stuff that I went through because you you desensitize to things when you go through extreme levels of trauma. <clears throat> but part of therapy is to resensitize. So you have to come back in touch with your emotions. You have to learn to not dissociate pain. Um, and it's this whole process of really admitting to what went on because when you're with cult groups like that, they indoctrinate you. And so I had grown up believing that this man was my real father, that I was an actual demon. There was just like a list of things that I'd been told for justification as to why this stuff was happening to me. And it took me two years to admit that it was possible that he wasn't my actual father, that he didn't love me and wasn't doing this stuff because he loved me, that maybe he just wanted to hurt me. So... <laughs> I think resensitizing to that stuff was worse because it's like looking back. Like, for example, when I was really young, one of the games that this, this abuser basically of mine had was that he would start counting and he'd pull the car over and I'd, I'd run into the Idaho wilderness. And it was my cue when he would start counting down that he was going to basically expect me to run away from him and he was going to hunt me. He was obsessed with survival games. So if I managed for the two-hour period that we were out there to escape him and not be found by him, then I would receive a reward, either like a Tootsie Roll Pop or else a lesson because he was massively into quantum physics and he was a veterinarian, so I'd get some sort of a, a lesson like that. But if I didn't and he won, then he would cut coup marks into my rib cage with a knife. And... Um, Basically, when I was in the process of resensitizing through therapy, I had to come to terms with the fact that I spent 13 years of my life running away from a guy who actually killed people in the woods. And it wasn't really that he was trying to help me get away from something bigger and badder and was trying to do me some benefit. So it was just almost more frightening in retrospect. And that threw me into an entire other cycle of depression. But I, I was sort of reach this crossroads, which I think is the most important message for people who are super suffering. <laughs> the crossroads I reached was, I can't really keep living this half-life, which is what pain makes us do. What I have to decide is if I'm going to commit or if I'm going to not commit. And either way, it's a commitment one way or the other. Either I'm committing to death or I'm committing to life. And if I'm committing to life, I'm not going to live this halfway. I'm going to find out exactly what it takes to be happy here, which is more than I can say for most people, because even though we moderately go towards happiness, I don't think most people make that the goal of their life. It's not like most people say, you know what, it's either, it's either like do or die. It's happiness or die. So um, I made that decision, and I was like, okay, I could always kill myself. So what can I do in the next... 10 minutes to make myself feel as good as I possibly could. And I started getting really curious about what it is that creates human happiness and positive emotional states versus negative emotional states. And um, I was real frustrated because after years in therapy, I was sitting in a group therapy session, which they let you do after two years of ritual trauma therapy. They let you meet other women who have been through similar stuff. And it was it was like at first it was amazing because I felt like for the first time I had companionship through what I had gone through. But it also felt terrible because after about two weeks I realized that there were women who had been in therapy for 25 years and they were still in a horrible state of constriction and they were not happy, they were miserable. And I, it didn't work for me because the, the standard impression most people have of people that are, have been abused, especially in severe situations like I was in, is that there's only so much you can do. Because obviously when we're young, our brains form themselves around the trauma. So we actually have physical differences because of the trauma. So the attitude is, well, there's only some, some level of healing that they can get. 
and they're only going to be just so happy, and they're only going to be able to do just so many things. And it just didn't work for me. I'm not here on this planet in order to live that way. So I kind of had to stray away from psychology, and I got into other avenues, and I started reopening my mind to spirituality, which was a major step, seeing as how I had lumped spirituality in with all of that really horrible ritual religious abuse. But what I found is that it was like the gem in the rough. It was the answer that I was looking for, essentially. And it helped me to reach the place that I'm at today, and I came up with a whole lot of knowledge about what it is that actually creates happiness on this planet, and that's the major message that I'm trying to share today. So for you, it was it was it just boiled down to making the choice, which is interesting because your your story is so extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have you come on and say the same thing everybody else has come on, which is to say it, you have to make the choice. You have to choose to live or to not live. And once you choose to live, the solutions that you need are going to come to you. But you mm-hmm. have to make the choice first. Yes, definitely. And this is something which I think people take for granted because most people are like, well, I'm living. I obviously made the choice to be alive. It's absolute crap. I feel like we have to make that choice again and again throughout our lives. Most people are just going through the motions of life. Really committing to life is an entirely different matter. It's not just living, taking in breath, eating and sleeping and trying to make as much money as you can to to help your family survive. It's this. It's a commitment that says, I'm going to milk this life for all it's worth. Literally, I'm gonna, in all moments of the day, I'm going to look for exactly what makes me happy and I'm never going to let fear stop me from going in the direction of what makes me truly feel passion. So it's a level of bravery, which I don't think most people have really let themselves experience. <laughs> yet, yet they're capable of. Oh, um, yes. I think it's just they're they're completely unaware that they're capable of it because they're so used to just existing and that's not living. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of just existing. And and I don't by that I don't mean just being that some might talk about in spiritual circles. It's to me it's almost as insidious of a programming that you just get going to school and going under the regular societal pressures that you, um, you know, I watch some people even in uh, that are close to me, uh, family-wise, that they're just clueless about living. And um, uh, I know it took some pretty big traumas in my life, nothing like you've had, but some pretty big traumas in my life to really... I've been a spiritual dabbler and this and that and the other and you know, but to really bring it home that look, this is it. You got to do this or don't. And and um, you know, my physical pains and problems were almost all caused by myself because I was so miserable. Um, but but it is. It's a form of programming and indoctrination anyway uh, that society has going on. So you're, well, sadly, not entirely unique, but your unique viewpoint from like the worst of the of the worst to okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna really do this <laughs> is um, is a a great 
assistance to people, I would think, because, you know, goodness gracious, I thought I had a bad type thing. That's exactly why I think it's so important for me to be out there, not just because of the amount of people who experience abuse, but because of the fact that most people, well, pain is very good at convincing you that you're alone. It's good at convincing you that your situation is worse than anybody else's, and it's good at convincing you essentially to stay small. So I think having me out there in front of people saying, look, this is what I went through. It's literally the worst of the worst, and if I can come back from it, definitely anybody has a chance at that. I feel like it's so incredibly crucial because the ego doesn't get to play its games when you're up against something like that. And obviously I'm in this unique perspective also because of just how dark my whole experience was now because I feel like when people express their vulnerability to me and especially the darkness of their pain, it's like you have to grab their hand and deep sea dive with them. And by virtue of how deep I went when I was younger, I don't feel threatened by the depth of other people's pain. So I think this is an immense gift which I came out of everything with, is just the ability essentially to go with people to any depth that they want to go to. And people need that kind of camaraderie. And I think that's the beauty of vulnerability, is that we get to go to these places with other people. And it's this incredibly beautiful heart connection. Yeah. What a stunningly uplifting way to look at that. I mean, <laughs> honey, you just called what you went through a gift. Yeah, which is exactly what that, changed it all for me. <laughs> that that in and of itself is, is I was just going to say, that is a game changer. It is, and to I didn't be able to take the, the stuff that you've been through be it loss or physical illness or, or in your case, I don't even have words really for what you've been through, but any any of those things that we go through that, that people would term tragic circumstances, um, to go through that and at the end of it come out with this this attitude of thank you, universe, for that because now, now I have this to offer. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Wow. I think that was what really changed everything for me is when I could see those things. But it didn't happen all at once. And most of what I teach people is that you shouldn't expect it to happen all at once. But what I started to notice is when I was focusing at something in terms of how it, it robbed me of happiness, I would get more miserable. And when I looked at something to try to find what the benefit was for me, I would start to feel emotionally good. So it started to turn to the thing where if I wanted to feel emotionally good, that was basically how I had to focus on it. And it really did liberate me. It's not just like a pacifier that you're sucking on because your life is so terrible that now you just basically have to believe that or otherwise you'll die. It's less that than it is that when you really start looking for the benefit of the even the horrible negative experiences that you went through, you actually find those things and they're genuine. It's not like you're lying to yourself. And I feel like that positive focus towards what how that past, past situation basically benefited me is what made me experience this kind of freedom which I now have experienced. And it's something that I really hope that everybody could come to understand is that all things that come to our life come to bless us in some way. And once we understand that blessing, then we can turn around with this, this attitude of approval towards what happened to us instead of feeling as if we're victims. That's the true difference between a victim and somebody who has turn to the sort of clay of their misfortunes into something beautiful 
is the ability to see the potential in that really cold clay, I guess, that we've been given. Well, like you said about, uh, you know, in the therapy model that it's sort of, well, there's only so much we can do. It, it, it is. They're, they're leaving it as, you know, well, there was this horrible thing, but let's see what we can do today. But leave that as this horrible mess. And you, I don't see how you can I, – I, I couldn't go on doing what we do on the radio if I was still looking at all of the things that have happened to me as not something positive that brought me here that 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 put me in this position uh it it, it, but I know so many people that they just live the whole rest of their life angry and hurt and wounded and like you said sort of sitting hiding in the corner being small if nobody notices me I'll be okay yeah and to me that I'd rather be dead I mean, it's not a joke, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't take that lightly. I would literally rather live a life that is joyful or not at all. There's no reason to be on this planet and live a constricted life. Absolutely. Certainly, I don't think that's what it was intended for, was to no. sit all wadded up in the corner. Why would you bother? <laughs> Yeah, I think it doesn't make sense. Not at all. I think that what, what people um, would benefit by understanding, essentially, is that these incredibly difficult, mind-blowingly difficult things that we go through are an opportunity to be broken open. Essentially, you have an option every time you run into something which is extremely painful. That is, you either let it make you harder or softer. If you let it make you harder, you're going to be living a constricted life and you're going to be living in more pain and you're going to cut yourself off from other people. But if you let that thing make you softer, then you are broken open to the love that's possible on this planet. Not only the love, the freedom, not only love and freedom, but you're going to be basically broken open to that which is beyond our physical form, which is a true spiritual experience, absent of religion, absent of priests and every other person telling you what is out there. It's literally an organic experience of our eternal nature. Now there's a quote. A quote, Ben. <laughs> really? Jane. Right? An, yeah, I was an organic experience. It, it, because it is. It's a. I've said before, it's a full body experience. It's doesn't go on in your brain. It doesn't go. It, which is where some I lived my life in my brain for many years. Well, my brain or a bottle or a something, you know. And um and it did. It took it took almost losing my life to to get it, I guess you can say. <laughs> um and um it 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 that's why it's difficult sometimes to explain to people, you know, uh, and and you seem to have come away with that gift as well. You, uh, I think you have referred to yourself as a catalyst. <laughs> and well, I, I think that's a, a great term because it it is. That's in 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 chemistry, folks. If you've, you've got this reaction you want to have happen and it's being difficult to get started, you put a catalyst in there and it. 
starts it, speeds it up, lets it happen. Um, I think that's a wonderful term. Thank you. People were sort of using it jokingly at first because they're, the joke was you add teal to the equation and either things get all the way better or way, way worse because she's going to polarize things to one degree or the other. You're either going to be face-to-face with your shadow or face-to-face with your divinity. That's <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> well, I think there's some but shadow think, shadow facing on the way to the divinity. I was just going to say, you know, I, I don't recall a time when when facing your shadow didn't eventually lead to facing your divinity. Exactly. I, I mean, you kind of need to do that sometimes. This this whole life that we live, that we've chosen to experience, is, is based on duality. You just can't have one without the other. It's not going to work. Just my humble opinion over here in Radio Land, but I mean that's just. <laughs> I would I would agree. I mean, it, it, you, the stick has two ends. It's a physical thing. Uh, we're, we're, it's a duality experience, so it it all comes together, and it's a choice of focus. It's a choice of it's a choice of perception. I think would be would be a good word to use too, because uh, Teal mentioned that earlier. She had to choose what she was looking at. You know, if I wanted to look at the the positive things, things that were making me happy, or I wanted to focus on the things that were making me unhappy. So it's a matter of perception. It's how you look at the world. Yes, and most of us don't know that that's a choice because we don't understand that we choose our thoughts. The majority of people think that their emotions are coming in response to what they're observing. They're not thinking that what they're observing is coming in response to what they're thinking. And that shift is absolutely crucial if we're going to understand the way that our lives are going. Instead of feeling like a victim, we have to understand that we're the ones that are creating this. We're creating it by virtue of our perception. Because our perception essentially molds our reality. We are literally making the energy that is in a state of complete potential turn into one thing or another based on our focus, our intention. <laughs> oh, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean it's something that we talk about often. Um and it and it works with regards to the world around you as well. I mean you can look at the world around you and you can poke and prod and, and wrestle against all the crap that's going wrong on the planet or you can start focusing on the things that are going right. And I found personally, Rick's found, um, you know, we've discussed it many times, and many of our guests have found that the more you focus on what's going right around you, the more things tend to change for the positive. It's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, the shift occurs right in front of your eyes and you're like oh that's awesome i thought that would never happen yeah and a lot of the times you really had nothing to do with it other than the fact that you expected it fully to to occur yes (laughs) do you guys have any good stories about that in your your life on an individual level um wow well i have a big one (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, 
wrote in, I don't know, 2009, a book called Truth. And the reason I had started writing it was because I was looking at the different religions and I couldn't figure out why everybody was fighting because as far as I knew, <laughs> it was the same message in all of them and it was the same God and I didn't understand what was going on. And um, this journey progressed for a couple of years and I ended up writing two books. And um, the second book, at the end of it, I wrote a message to a certain man who sat on a certain throne and I said, you know, it's time to step down. You're a couple of years behind the times, actually. You're supposed to step down a few years ago. It's time to step down. Um, it's time It's time for people to see the truth. And, um, you know, my whole, my whole journey had been based around faith in humanity. So I, I, continue to move forward with the belief that eventually people would figure it out and that I really didn't have to interfere too much because humans were smart and they would see the truth of things. And then having taken that journey, written the books and then started the radio show and especially in the last year, bearing witness to what's going on within the Catholic Church um, and and having him actually step down from the papal throne and then, you know, Pope Francis come in. And and these were all things that my heart screamed for years ago that I, and I wrote about that I wanted to happen, that I, I saw would be a benefit to humanity and it would help our growth and expansion. And, and sure enough, it did. And did I have anything to do with that? Um, Yes. No, other than the fact yes. that my, my desire, but I mean, I didn't... Physically. I didn't, like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, not even a practicing Catholic anymore. I'm not a practicing Catholic. I didn't physically have any... It's not like I went and knocked on, on Pope Benedict's door and said, yo, you got to go. Um, and I'm <laughs> sure he's never read my book. It's it's two lines at the back of the book, and I'm, I'm absolutely sure he's probably never read it. And, um, you know, but the intention and my belief and I think that's that's the one thing that the one answer I always give people. They're like, well, you know, speak to God. God talks to you. What does He say? It's the most important message I've ever gotten, quite frankly, is to never lose faith in humanity. God doesn't care if I lose faith in God, but <laughs> if I lose faith in humanity, that's devastating because humanity is God. So, um, you know, and that's that was. This past year, watching the changes in the world and watching, especially watching with the, with the sense of fascination and awe, the changes within the church, I kind of took a step back and it's like everything I I hoped for and dreamed for um, is kind of coming to fruition, you know? And all I had to do was just, just be myself and keep walking my path and, and I've never worked actively as an activist to fight against the man and, you know, to make things better. And, but um, I've focused on those who are. And I've spent two and a half years dedicated through the radio show to, to spending time with those people who are focused on, on doing incredible, amazing things in this world. And, and that's so, – so I'm blessed enough to be able to see – from that, I guess, the the results of that, the fruit of that, which is a, an ever-changing world. I mean, 
the things that we're seeing in the last couple of years just mind blowing. Mind blowing. People are awesome. Look what they're doing. <laughs> Humans are awesome. They really are. And I, I still have friends from my previous life, the before croaking me. That's what I say about the incident that happened to me in 2007 is that I croaked briefly. So there's BC. That's my before croaking me. I still have some <laughs> friends from there, and they, and at least three of them have said specifically to me, well, I just don't get it. We're, we're obviously not even living in the same universe. And I kind of look at them and go, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm inviting you to come over here where it's cool, you know. It's over here. It's totally that. And that's it because I, I have conversations with people all the time. And they're like, well, I don't see what you're seeing. I, I don't know what y'all are seeing, but you're not looking in the right places. And that's okay. Carry on your merry way. You know, it's, it's cool. It's your journey. It's, it's your experience. And you're going to see the world the way you want to see it. And who am I to judge your journey? It's not it's not my job, um, but I, I but if you're going to tell me that you're miserable you're, and yeah, that you wish you could do something about it, don't I, take your yuck and taint my perceptions of our planet and and the people on it because it, I'm not going to buy into it. It's it's not going to happen at this point in my life. There's nothing you can say or do to convince me that humanity's um, going to fail at this great experiment we call life. It may be long. We've already succeeded. That's the end of it, you know? <laughs> it's a big ship. It doesn't, doesn't turn fast, but it's turning. So what? <laughs> what do you want? What do I mean, what do I want? Surely there will be angels and trumpets and... Yeah, yeah. That's in Hollywood. <laughs> it was Cecil B. DeMille or somebody did that. We don't do that. <laughs> I like that story. It's a crazy tale. Um and and surely not believable by any stretch of the imagination for most people, but it is what it is. It happened. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote it. It happened. I'm like, "Yay, that's awesome." <laughs> Win-win. <laughs> what do you do? It, it's verifiable. You can, you know, you can find it at Grave Descriptions Publications in the back of Going Home to Heaven. It's on the last page. Last page, and just two lines. No big deal. Yeah. Publication date is well before, well before he he stepped down. So I mean, you know, it it was just my soul crying out for this change. You know, because I, I really believe that if the Catholic Church could, could initiate a conversation with other religions and if they could get off their high horse and get back down to this this very grounded, humble, you know, Jesus' message was pretty basic. So if you could get back to that and open up that conversation <laughs> with these other belief systems, then then things would start to shift. And that's oh, yeah. that's where I was coming from. Because that's the biggest religion. That's you know, it has the largest impact. And if you can get a Catholic and a Muslim sitting down together and talking, all right, you know, now we've now we've got a chance for peace. But it wasn't going to happen with Benedict, and I need that. So I completely agree with you. 
I, I would definitely, I would dare say that that's what every single religion on earth needs to do. This is definitely the time that they need to all come together and instead of start looking at differences, or keep looking at differences rather, they need to start looking at similarities. That's when you're going to find the real truth on this planet. The spiritual truth which pervades sort of like a thread through all of these religions. Absolutely. And it's there. Yeah. It's very oh. easy to find. It's very there. <laughs> It's it's not it's not hard to find at all. It's not hard to see, but you have to look for it. You have to want to find it. You have to desire it, and you have to believe that it's possible. That's that's a large part of our our world's problem is that, um, you know, anybody who is looking at the world and 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 sure that things aren't changing by focusing all the, on all the negatives, those are also the same people who don't believe that peace is possible. I do. I believe peace is possible. Of course it's possible. Oh, yeah. I would, I, ooh, I, this is a big button subject for me for sure. I feel like the worst thing you can possibly do is to think that something's impossible. Like the minute that you think that something's impossible, you're beaten already. We're totally done. Like, we, ha- we have to, all of us, believe it's possible for that shift to take place, I think. And right. I f- it definitely starts with one person. And that's what I think most people don't do. We feel like the world is so much bigger than us that we don't understand the power of our individual intention. If we understood the power of our individual intention and individual focus, we'd understand how essential it is that it starts with us. That we are the one. There's nobody else that's going to do it. There's no one else that's going to stand up and lead. There's no one else that's going to believe for you. You've got to be the one to do that. And and, and I, I yes, and I, I would even go so, so far as to say that like you don't know what you're capable of doing until you just jump off that cliff and be the first person to believe. You know, it might be it might feel lonely out there on the crest. That's what I thought. It really did. It sort of feels like you're hanging off the edge of the cliff and you're about to go over a precipice and you think that you're going to die because it really is essentially an ego death. But when you really jump over that edge and you believe and you take risks and do those things and believe those things essentially that nobody else agrees with you on you realize that you're not out there surfing on the edge by yourself it's like that's when you meet the most awesome people that's when you run into the other people that have made the same decision and you make your real friends and that's so true it was it was very lonely it was a lonely bloody journey for the first couple years i got very very sick very Mm -hmm. sick Almost dead sick. Like physically ill, um, not, not out of the bed yeah, ever. Like, yeah, like, like I, I was, you know, the third book was me writing myself back to health, really, because I crashed completely. It was very lonely out there. And then I said, the hell with it. This is how I look at the world. And I'm not going to change that. Not so I can fit in with some preconceived societal idea of what life should be. Why am I busting my ass to please these people when they're miserable? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, okay, what do I have to do? I have to go back to that original, that original idea, that original thing that set me on the path in the first place, which was it's, it's, everybody's truth is, is their own. Everybody's truth is valid. And your mission in life basically is to find your truth, run with it, and be happy. Get happy. Like you said, that's, you know, really, if you can do that, then you've done the world a huge favor. Because every single person on the planet who focuses on taking care of themselves takes 
the responsibility off of others to have to take yeah. care of them. Exactly. And, you know, it's just like the sweeping the sidewalk. If everybody swept the sidewalk in front of their own house, the sidewalks would all be clean. Of course. It, 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 it's just... It, 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 you get on the other side, and, and, and you just kind of like, it's, duh. <laughs> How could I not see that? But it, it because it is, I, I worked hard when I, I had some early experiences, not childhood experiences. I, well, I had some mind-blowing intelligence things that went on, but where I knew things that it was impossible for me to know, but I didn't really clue into that. But then I had an experience in my in my 20s and and believe me spiritual experiences like that were not the thing to be having 30 years ago nobody wanted to hear about it and especially <laughs> me i was terrified and 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 i i ran as fast as i could the opposite direction and tried to just you know okay this is this is society these are the society's rules and so this is what we're going to do and and eventually drank myself to death. And I think that if you take that path where you, okay, I'm going to reimagine myself, I'm going to mold myself to fit all of these people around me, that that's really the only possible destination is, is suffering and death. Um, it, 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 it's the only way that it can end up, because it, you can't. It, it can't be done. There's too many of them, <laughs> you know, for for one person to try to keep happy, and and it, it, you 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 can't stand on your head enough different ways to make them any different than they choose to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I wasn't. It was that. It was that thing that choice thing it i didn't think it was my my choice to make yes and because i think if people really understood that it's really a choice yeah okay you don't make a choice today and it's bunnies and rainbows tomorrow <laughs> fresh out of bunnies and rainbows but um actually this complex where i live we got dozens of bunnies that hop around every night and they eat our grass but it, it's it's not. It's a journey, and it it it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, uh, but it it the the more I let go and and let me, as opposed, you know, it, it, that may sound uh, sacrilegious to some people. Instead of saying let go and let God, but let go and let me decide. Same thing. Uh, See. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Let me go yeah. ahead. You know, there's still folks in my life that talk about, you know, yeah, well, Rick, he ran off to Costa Rica. He ran away. I didn't, I wasn't, and, and, and I, I've never found anything to make any of them believe it, but I was not running away from anything. I was running to something. And my heart said, go. So I went and, you know, then it said something else. And so now I'm up here and it, it, and they've all been magical and fantastical. Um, I think people want straight lines, and life is never like that. 
Really what it is is that if you follow the path of the heart, it's going to seem like the most erratic pattern you can possibly come up with, but it makes perfect sense and it's the most direct route, but we live in a quantum universe. So the most direct route is often cyclical and not straightforward. Hey, you know what? Do you know why people don't sweep their own sidewalks? Why? Because everyone still tells us that it's selfish to sweep your own sidewalks. Yes. Mm, yes. What? It's you're so going true. you're going to do something just because it makes you happy? Oh, it's the most self-centered egocentric thing I've ever heard of. And yet that's the only reason anyone does anything. This is this is an interesting thing because I don't think most of us are brave enough to look at this fact. If you trace everything that is ever done in this universe, it is done for one reason and one reason only and that's because someone wants to feel good. Literally. So if, I, if I'm keeping that crappy job I hate, it's because I think that the paycheck that comes in every month is going to pay enough for the bills that I'm not going to be unstable. I'm going to be able to keep my house, and I think keeping my house will make me feel better. So I'm doing that, keeping the crappy job, because I think it will add to my happiness. If I go and kill someone, I'm doing it because I think it would make me feel better if they didn't exist on the planet with me. So I'm doing it because I want to feel better, which ultimately is a decision in the favor of happiness. So regardless of whether we're spending time with our kids, kissing our partners, eating good food, working a crappy job, driving that car, we're doing it for one reason, and that is because we think it will make us feel better. So we're already doing all of these things in favor of happiness. And so if we were just brave enough to quit taking the long route, which is really what it is, like in the first scenario I expressed where you're, you've got a crappy job, so it's ironic, I'm shortcutting my current happiness because of a future happiness I think my job's going to satisfy. If we realized that we were doing that, then we would be brave enough to just go straight for happiness and cut out the middleman and basically say, let's go towards happiness and not 10 minutes from now, right now, because let's be frank, I have no idea whether I'm going to be alive tomorrow, none of us do. That's when you start living a happy life. Absolutely, because there's a huge difference between selfishly selfless and selfishly selfish. Selfless. Yes. Selflessly selfish and selfishly selfless. Because people pretend to be selfless. <laughs> they, they put on this act of being self, selfless for so many selfish reasons. They do selfless acts so that they in the end can be saved get some reward rather somewhere than just, right rather than just straight up being selfish and in the act of taking care of self you automatically set yourself up to spread joy light and love to other people which is a selfless act I think that's actually the most backward thing that religions did for us is that religions in general basically taught us that if we were focusing love towards ourselves that there would be some horrible like demonic end to that when the reality is is you'll never meet one person on earth who's satisfying their happiness that has a single impulse to injure anybody else. It's a contradiction in vibrationally. It's a contradiction in terms. So you literally cannot get selfish enough to go in the direction of your happiness and ever harm another being. Of course not, because once you're in a state of joy and perfect self-acceptance, because part of part of this that journey into selfishness is that you learn to love self. 
you have to love yourself. And so once you start learning to love yourself and you stop judging yourself, and there's a really big one, don't judge yourself anymore. So you stop judging yourself and you stop blaming yourself. And you know intimately yourself. So you know that you're not perfect, yet you can get to a state of being where you're perfectly in acceptance of who you are. There's no way in that state that you're going to point a finger at somebody else and go, you over there, you're not, because you don't care. You over there, you did this to me. I'm going to get you. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't fit. There's nothing. Once you've stopped judging yourself, there's nothing left to judge. And so and, many of them just the are logical. That, logical. They don't. They don't seem right. Maybe on the face, like the. <laughs> well, like the. The shortest path is not a direct route. It's this circular, cyclical, weird thing that your heart says, "Go over there." And you're like, why would I go over there? I don't need anything from the bookstore. I don't want to go to the bookstore. I don't have time to go to the bookstore. I've got to do a show tonight with Teal. I don't want to go to the bookstore. And, but I went to the bookstore anyway. And now we have another cheerleader for the show. Yay. Um, and I had a wonderful, uplifting 30 minutes. Well, that's good enough for me. And yeah, that's reason in and of itself. Yeah. To go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I was uplifted for 30 minutes. Really? Well, that's a selfish thing to do. What? (laughs) Otherwise, I could be out here and be miserable and be chasing after you for causing my misery. Yeah, that's, yeah, sure. It's a really, it's a really fascinating societal thing we have going on. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting to watch. Is that this this is what we have been taught for so long to be normal. And now people are waking up to the fact that that's a lie. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? Well, you can only keep people in, I think down for so long. But it 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 gets so obvious. I mean, you look at I'm a big fan of Yeshua. He had some great things to say. But what does religion make the biggest deal? Of, the biggest, almost the only deal was he died for you. What? What? The message seems pretty clear to me. He's like, nobody needs, you don't need, you just talk to God yourself. You don't need priests. You don't need saving. Here. You need somebody to say you're all clean? Okay, oh, you're all clean. Go away. And it not, that was not when he was thinking about being hung up on a tree somewhere. And but then that's the thing that they make holy out of the, the sacred thing is because he sacrificed himself for others. What? Uh, yep, I got a major problem with that too, for sure. I think it's really funny because most of these people that we pride ourselves on worshiping, if they came back in today's day and age and they saw what has happened with their teachings and what we've turned them into, they'd be absolutely ashamed, disgusted. Yep, disgusted. Yeah. It, it, but I. I think there would be a lot of why. Why did you? <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, I think um, there there might be a little bit of angst, a little bit of disgust, um, but it's certainly a lot of disbelief. But 
but I get this sense of like just humoristic why <laughs> what the hell were you thinking why did you, I mean you you look at your kids coming in from outside and they've done something really weird like bury their head in the mud pit and they come in and they're you know they're perfectly clean from the neck down but their entire face and head is covered in mud and you have to look at them and go why and you can't do it with a straight face because there's nothing logical about what they've done And it has to well, make you giggle. No, it does. And, and it, that's, it, that's how I think. That's how I think that I think that they would come back with that kind of attitude and be like, <laughs> "Our children stuck their head in the mud for no good reason." Awesome. Why did you do that? <laughs> because I thought it would be fun. Oh, okay. Right. Because it, it, it's always it, it's almost always that simple. It's not you know. I should probably take this child like to a, see it. Therapist, no, because they dumped their head in the mud. What? It, it sounded like a good idea at the time. And that's, that's the simple solution to a really complex answer. Why did all of this happen? It made sense at the time. And yep, it doesn't that make sense years now. Ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it, it did make sense at the time. It doesn't make sense now because times have changed. And humanity has grown and expanded past that. But at the time, it made complete sense. Always the trouble. And one I love to talk about, the, you know, with digging up something from thousands of years ago. You don't, you cannot relate to the way people lived. You just can't. That's such an understatement. You're so right about that. It's impossible. You, you, you would have to live it. And... We don't. So we don't, even the great, you know, parable stories of the, you know, we don't get it what it means to be out of oil. It meant you starved to death. That's <laughs> what it meant. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? I ran out of oil last week. <clears throat> Went to the store, got some olive oil. It was really good stuff. It, it, you don't get it until you get it, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and that kind of stuff, you just, you can have, all the archaeological digs you want, you can do all the study you want. You can't get it, what they were going through 2,000 years ago. You just can't get it. It's it, so full of holes. And, but that's always sort of it's been one of my pet peeves. That's if you want a control structure, you know, how do you make a control structure to control unlimited creators? Well, mm. there's got to be a secret, and, and since... Unlimited creator, there's no such thing as a secret. That means there's got to be a lie. So there has to be a lie and a secret. Now you've started down the path to maybe getting them to do what you want them to do. Exactly. And and it is, and the way through is you have to look at that. You have to look, look at right smack in the face and go, wow, okay, I was full of baloney. Or some other term that we might use. Anyway, we've uh, cruised right on up to the halfway point, maybe even sailed right by it. It's kind of like those things, deadlines I love so much. The whooshing sound they make as they fly by. <laughs> um, so we probably should take a break. And yeah, there's one for you, Gene. Who, uh, who, uh, what, what? What do we play on a musical break tonight? 
Firebird. Firebird? Well, yeah, look at the transformation this woman has made. (laughs) Burned it all up and came out again. She's a phoenix. Of course. So Firebird is the only appropriate song in this instance. That's just my opinion. But since my opinion matters on this show, Firebird. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because if it doesn't matter on this show, I have to suffer for days. I quit. (laughs) Just Do the show on your own. I like them apples. Well, if you Firebird. put them in a pie, it's pretty good. All right, so this is going to be our friend. Actually, berries, but that's beside the point. Ina V with her song uh, Firebird. And uh, we hope you'll go by and check her out at www.enavie.com. That's enavie.com. And, uh, uh, but when we get back, we're going to talk some more about whatever it is we're talking about. I don't you see that's that how do you put a subject line on that? What do you write? I don't know. That's why I have a writer for a partner. Um and we're gonna tell you all about how to find Teal and more about the work that she does too when we get towards the end of the show. So uh, check out Ina V with Firebird and we'll be right back. So stay with us folks.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our friend Ina V, whom you can find at www.enavie.com. She's got lots of other great music, and she's also doing some cool philanthropic stuff with funds from one of our other favorite songs. But you can find out about that if you just go. Just click. And it'll be on the archive of the show tonight, too. So, Gene, <laughs> I miss my cues sometimes. Blah, where did you go there for? You went, you went away for a second there. Oh, I did. Did we have a bobble? A little technical difficulty. I have to tell George to straighten that out. It's a little difficult, actually. <laughs> well, you know. Pause for no reason. Yes. Well. The pregnant pause. <laughs> or pause for thought. We may even have a segment like that soon. A segment? Wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. What? And, um... and, and I'm apparently getting ahead of you, too, because you're not following me here. We've lost our rhythm. What happened? <clears throat> Time for resynchronization therapy. <laughs> okay, so seriously though, um you do workshops and yeah. Did I miss here? Uh oh. No, I think we miss heard because you said okay, so you do workshops and then nothing. nothing. Were you talking over there? Yes, I was. Workshops, tell us about them. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little about those workshops, and hopefully our connection to the mountains will clear up. Okay. So the workshops that I do are called synchronization workshops. Sometimes I do them in tandem with intentional community expos, which are also exciting. But the workshops themselves operate according to the law of attraction, like everything else. Basically, for people to share the same space, they have to be vibrating at a similar frequency. So if people are able to make it into the same room, they've got similar issues. That really works to our benefit because people essentially come with questions. And we pretend that we're in grade school again, and then people raise their hands. And what will happen when I'm up on stage is that the person whose question resonates the most closely with the vibration of the group will light up a bit like a flashlight. And then I will pick them to come up and sit in the chair next to me. So it's a stage where it's me one-on-one with somebody else and hundreds of people in the audience. And essentially, the person will ask me whatever question they want to ask me, and or put forth their issue that they've got and I will help them to come to a higher place vibrationally about whatever it is that they've talked about. It's a really fun thing for me too because as I'm watching them ask me the question and go through that process, I get to see the whole group transform because that same issue relates to all of them. That's why they're able to share the same space. So it's not like somebody gets on stage and asks a question that should frustrate somebody what will happen is that whoever gets up on stage has a question where the answer and the question are going to vibrate at a frequency of what everyone in that audience needs. So in a way, we're addressing everybody's issues, but I'm doing it by meeting with people one by one in front of an audience. 
And you'll notice that throughout the duration of these workshops, the vibration in the room gets higher and higher and higher and higher and higher to the point where it's so high when these end that people sometimes say that they can't sleep for days afterwards and it's just like this awesome, supercharged, energetic reconnection between people. Most people say that when they go there, they feel like they're finding in their family members again, their sort of lost extended soul family, which is scattered across the globe. So it's a great get-together time as well. Absolutely. We talk about that all the time, finding our brothers and sisters around the globe when we do this show. Um, and that's probably the best explanation I've ever heard of the... Um, yeah. Abraham right? always is like, you I know, was just thinking that. Sometimes if you don't get called to the hot seat, you'll hear the message even better, and it's your question will get answered even if you don't ask it. And, and but they don't ever go into why, and that's that was a beautiful explanation of why, um, because it's yeah, true. Yeah, I was just thinking that that's that's the best explanation I've I've heard on why it's okay to do these large groups and yet only answer the questions of, of two, three, four, five individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I mean, yay. <laughs> yay you for being so brilliant. Brilliant you. <laughs> Your brilliance is showing. Be careful. Yes. <laughs> well, we try to. We encourage it to so, come out and peek. I'm curious. <laughs> is there a question that, that, comes up over and over and over again like is there there a question that that you've kind of stumbled onto that almost every being on the planet is kind of stuck on yeah what's the point of suffering that's the number one question that i get in my career especially when people find out that i teach you create your own reality because it's like well if we create our own reality then why are we suffering (laughs) you know that is by far the number one question oh yeah that's a pretty good so question. What do you, it is a good question. What do you tell somebody when they, I mean, I know what I would tell them, but it's not about me. It's I'm curious what you would tell them. <laughs> um, all right. So basically, when I talk to people about the reason for suffering, I explain the fact that we are in a contrasting environment. And it's difficult for people to understand that this is a hologram. This is the benefit of really getting into a spiritual space is that you understand that this physical dimension is not all there is. This dimension was entirely designed as a learning hologram. And we can only learn what we are if we learn what we first are not. So essentially, we are God self-actualizing through these separate perspectives, and not just human perspectives, non-human perspectives. Everything in existence is an extension of God force energy. So essentially... When you are sitting here in your day-to-day life experiencing what is unwanted and that causes you to know what is wanted, you are telling God what it is and what to become. So basically, God, source, which is what I call it, knows what it is based on what you desire. Whatever you want, it knows that it is. But it can't know that unless there is unwanted as well. So there is this physical dimension which has been created with a ton of contrast to let these beings us decipher what is wanted versus unwanted and that's how God self-actualizes essentially so that's why we're here in the physical dimension but without that which is unwanted we could not know what we really were so the issue though is that suffering starts when when instead of going in the direction of what is wanted 
that means, okay, I feel this thing that is unwanted. I know that's not a state which I am particularly wanting. That causes me to know what I want instead. Suffering happens when we continue, even after that has occurred, to focus on what is unwanted. And we hold ourselves a match to that. And essentially the gap between who we, where we are right now and where we want to be gets so large that we feel extreme levels of negative emotion. That's all suffering is. And so most suffering happens because we don't understand what contrast is. And we don't understand that, that once we give rise to the preference, once we understand what we desire, our sole focus should be in that direction instead of in the direction of what we don't want. And we don't understand we create a reality. So all of these things add up to this messy pie, essentially, of suffering here on planet Earth. And it's really a byproduct. If you want me to sum it up in one word, it's, it's our belief in our own powerlessness. It's so cool. Rick, she's met George. She's met George. Yes, she has. <laughs> and chatted with him at length. Um, early on when I first started this journey, I wanted to, you know, what do I call you? Because I can't call you God. I can't call you Muhammad. I can't call you Jesus. I can't call you Yeshua. What, what the hell do I call you? I'm not going to call were, you that's friggin' you, Fred. Well, but that's um, what you were calling when you would have these conversations right. in, internally, is that yeah. you're talking to God, but you felt like you couldn't say that. Who do I, who do I, who do I, what do I call you? And um, they, he, it's whatever you want to, they, you should, I'm going to run it with they because this, that makes more sense to me. Um, they said George. And I was like, I, just George, I can't call you George. I mean, I'm talking about, if we're discussing religion and we're just, you know, there's reference in this book, it's the Bible and, and, I can just call you George. They're going to hang me. You know, burn me at the stake, George. Where'd that come from? And I, I got told to wait, and then I would understand by the end of the day. And sure enough, a friend of mine called, and um, I had told her what, what had happened. And she said, and she started laughing. And she's, you know, she's repeating George over and over, and she's laughing and laughing. She can't, she can't catch her breath. And I'm like, what has gone into you? Like, what's wrong with you? She's like, I can't believe you don't get it. I'm like, oh, got it, explain it to me. She said, Curious George. God wants to know everything and experience everything. Oh, yes. Oh, I love so, that. Curious George. Little monkey. Curious George. So, so I'm listening to your explanation and I'm like, yeah, she knows George. Because it's exactly how I see it. You can't experience everything without having all the contrast to experience and you can't learn what you want more of unless you learn what you don't want to experience mm-hmm. so you have to know that those experiences suck which means yeah. somebody has to go through it <laughs> It doesn't mean all of us have to go through everything. It just means that one of us or two of us or maybe 10,000 of us, depending on the experience, have to go through a thing for us to figure out collectively, because we are God, a.k.a. George, for us to figure out that we don't want to do that anymore. And But on an individual basis, when we focus on that which we don't want, George because this is what George does, because he's good and he's kind and he's loving. Every time we focus on something, George is like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you more of that. Sure. You're focused on it. You must want it. And So here, take it. 
And and then we wonder why everything goes to shit. Because we're <laughs> focused on everything going to shit. Yeah. You know, the world's going to end. Okay. You have fun Probably. with that. <laughs> Keep that over there. <laughs> but I, in my own life, the, the, the worst of my suffering came about when, you know, I... As I was young and I was, you know, got ex- it, it, it exposed to more and more of the world, it was, I had this urge to, oh, get, pick up that book, read that book, do this. And, and, and then it scared me or whatever. And so I ran the other direction. And that was the beginning of the, of the real suffering. Before that, it was almost more like, you know, okay, falling down is not cool. I scraped my knee. Uh, it was that kind of innocent, I don't want that. But when it really got into that, you know, wow, I did these exercises in this book and there's voices in my head and, oh, that's bad. Wah! And, and, and okay, I'm going to fit society's rules and I'm going to do it. And it just got worse and worse and worse till it was just, it was, I couldn't drown it in enough alcohol and pills and things. Um, because that's where the genuine suffering I am agreeing with you. That's where the genuine suffering really comes in, is when you're, you know you've discovered which way you want to go, and then you, for whatever reason, don't go there. Yes. You know, this is, how, this is why um, God, essentially, Source knows, and George, knows exactly the most that it is is love, essentially. We always say that. God is love, right? The reason that... God knows that it is love is because it's the most unanimous desire that has emanated from every being that has existed since the beginning that beings have existed. Because we like that. And that yes. that's the thing. I mean, everybody's pretty much in agreement. Love is good. Love's cool. We like, I, I've, I've never never met anybody who who could, you know, honestly answer that love, love is bad. Love experienced as love in its pure form, it doesn't hurt you. It's not a painful thing. So it, it makes sense that that's why we define George as love. Because everybody at the core of their being wants a little more of that. Because that feels it's the good. one thing we can all agree on. on. Yeah. yeah, we can agree on that. that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And and you're fun. <laughs> She's fun. <laughs> she is. And she giggles. <laughs> did you notice? <laughs> I, I did. I did. I'm famous for loving it when Jean giggles, and a couple of good Jean giggles, and I'm I'm good for three days. Um. Because it's the it, it's the topic that's bringing them on, and and uh, it I I swear I say this every show, but it's why I love doing the show, and why I love doing it the way we do it. We don't really plan on our guests. We've never once and only once did we ever go after somebody, and it wasn't much of a going after. It was a hey, you want to come on the show? And they said, oh yeah, sure. And other than that, it's pretty much they just appear. Poof, it's going to be on the show. Poof. And, you know, what was it, Jean, two weeks ago? We didn't have anybody hardly on the schedule, and we're scheduled up now through March. Yeah, we're booked up to March. And because we get unfocused on, we start thinking about how, well, we're all scheduled up. We don't have to worry about that right now. They quit coming. 
George is like, oh, they don't want more guests. Okay. And then we were like, oh, where's the guests? And wham, there's 50 of them in the email box within the next two days. <laughs> wow, where were they all this time? And, and that's really that abundant universe thing. There's a gazillion potential guests. If we need more, they'll just create more. And, right. Uh, works that way on everything. But the idea is to, you know, I mean, not not once have we ever thought, oh my God, we're going to run out of people. Help! No, we just um, we, we need to get some guests on the schedule. Because we're, we're both so firmly convinced that the world is full of amazing, awesome people to talk to that there's always going to be amazing, awesome people to talk to. Which makes our job much easier, you know? A very small percentage of 7 billion to keep us busy for the rest of our lives, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I don't think everybody's ever going to get it. Well, probably not. That's that whole variety and contrast thing. Everybody got it. We would all be a bunch of, you know, I don't know, boring Boring well, we wouldn't mind. be doing this. We wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, we'd be bored, I think. And that's that's the thing. That's the other thing about humanity. We don't like being bored. Oh, um, that's why so, the most amount of expansion comes out of the human race. I think that more so than any other species, people are the ones who create the most because they have such intense levels of desire and they hate boredom so much. <laughs> right, I mean... A human hates boredom so much that they would rather suffer yeah. than be bored. That, that that's serious dislike for boredom. <laughs> that's a pretty serious dislike, and that's that's I'd how we. I'd much it, rather break my back than be bored this year. You know, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that before. On. Let's check that out. That's, that's new. Let's check it out. Let's try it. See what happens. I don't know. I've, I've never had a house land on my head. I wonder what that feels like. It's kind of, um, <laughs> it's kind of like tender, like for any of you Dragonlance fans out there or D and D fans out there it's kind of like a, a tender like attitude towards life it's like oh let's check that adventure out over there be it you know cancer heart attack cheating spouse um the the list is long you know tsunamis we we do these things because it, we have this need to experience experience for no other reason than we need to experience experiences, different experiences. So we do that. That's what we do. That that fills me full of a lot of hope for the human race. It means that we've decided that life is more than death. Well, of course. Because boredom is death, essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's the lack of experience. Yeah, well, you're not doing anything. We're sitting around doing nothing. Atrophy, yeah. yes. Like that whole... Yeah. That whole, you know, description of heaven. Oh, it's going to lay on a cloud. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, God, why? <laughs> That's like those people that want to go to the why beach you... for the rest of their life. I, I'm, look, a whole day on the beach, really, you're kind of wanting to go do something. You're like, you know. I just, some, of these things, some of these things confuse me because, I mean, if you go to a place that's paved in gold, 
God help you if the sun ever comes out. Because shit's going to get real bright real quick. Yeah, better have some sunglasses up there in that place. I'm just saying. I'm, there's there's no logic in some of the things that we, we've we've convinced ourselves along the way that we actually want. And I guess it's it's just part of the game, so to speak. It's you know, it's part of us trying to convince ourselves that we're we're powerless because that also is part of the experience to be powerless or to know what powerlessness is. Because when you're an infinite creator, you already know what it feels like to be an infinite creator. Got that down to a fine science. Ooh, let's go over there. People, those humans, they think they're just little individual biological phenomena. <laughs> I bet that's fun. Falling around the universe, right? So that's you know, let's let's try that because that looks fun. Um, I don't know what that feels like. It's very Kender like. <laughs> and it 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 is where I think people that got on to the whole idea sooner than the than the group that, that that all that you're crazy came from you know what do you mean you want to you'd rather suffer than be bored we're going to put you in a room you have three meals a day all the good you know numbing drugs that you need and yeah no no i want to go over there <clears throat> and um and it, that seems it seems a little nutty it seems a little nutty to say you know, well yeah we chose that because we want to know what that's like Really? Nobody wants to know what that's like. <laughs> oh, yeah. George does. Well, we didn't. We wouldn't be doing that, right? I mean... Well, it's like the people that focus on trying to... Uh, trying to figure out how to be non-physical. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate so I can be non-physical. Well, it seems to me it took a little bit of doing to be physical... So there must be a point to it besides just getting back to where you started from. Yes. Hmm. Silence. What happened? Where'd you all go? We're here. Somewhere. It happens sometimes on our show. Yeah, it does. We have those moments of, hmm, well, that was interesting. It's usually right after I've said something because I say some crazy things. Oh, because, yes, well, there's that. Um, I just don't know what else to ask you because... (laughs) Your own Kender-like experience has been so... Wow. Um, okay, what's what's the hardest? I'm this is, this is what's the most difficult question to explain when people come and sit in the hot seat, so to speak. What's the most difficult one? The question that makes you kind of go, "Oh, is there um one?" Yeah, I think that the Rick Karma. <laughs> Yes. When I get asked about karma, I cringe in like, you know, multiple lives and that whole thing. Because 
because the reason it's so hard to answer is not because it's particularly hard in, um, con what do you call that? Uh, like conveying myself in a clear way is not difficult because even though the, the subject matter is difficult, what's difficult is that you're talking to people that are super attached to an idea. So people who are in the spiritual community, which are largely my audience is those people. They're not really religiously affiliated anymore. They're just, they consider themselves spiritual. But, but what replaces heaven for spiritual people is the idea of karma and reincarnation. So talking to somebody that already has a preconceived attachment to that idea is quite difficult because there's already resistance. So you're going to basically run into a group of people that are really unwilling to accept the idea that you don't drag baggage with you from previous lives. Well, and, 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 and it's a powerless, it's a question that has to come from powerlessness because I think people take comfort in karma because, you know, hey, you're going to get yours. Well, that's victim and guilt and shame and ugh, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, really, that's, you know, karma. That's you, you did bad, so now in your next life you're going to have to pay for it. Yes, and it's an explanation as to why people feel the way they feel, but I've noticed that people don't want to, even people who are the most aware are, are people who are still not wanting to look at their shadows and especially not wanting to look at childhood pain. And so what most people don't want to hear is that all of the problems you have in this life, you can trace back to your beginnings, essentially. It's something that's happened in this life since your onset. So... Um, most people would rather preserve the idea that their childhood was great or that their parents did a good job rather than risk ruining the relationship by re-examining some of the messed up stuff that went on. They'd rather believe that they have issues with X because of a past life, and it's, a, it's become like the biggest scapegoat. Yeah, I almost starved to death in ancient Egypt, so that's why I'm fat. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, oh, so let's fail to recognize the fact that you were shamed for years and years in your childhood life, and so you developed that barrier of fat, essentially, to protect yourself from that level of shame, which is the case with fat. So it is. It's one of those, like, I don't want to look at that pain of being five and six and seven and eight and having my parents treat me this way or society treat me this way. I'd rather just believe that I starved in my last life, so I, can't, so I have to just eat in this one. That's exactly the kind of problem, and that's why it's so hard to answer that question. People don't want to hear the answer. Those are always the hardest questions to answer. Yeah, that's why I hate it when people ask for advice. Generally, when they ask for advice, it's because they already know the answer and they don't like it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that should be a quote. It should be. We'll put that one in, It too. is now. You just said it. <laughs> Because really, you know, you think about a situation and you, you can see, okay, that there is the door out, but I've got to jump over those alligators to get there. Oh, surely, no. Hey, you know how I can get out that door over there? People look at you and go, yeah, jump over the alligators. You go, yeah, yeah, it's not very good advice. I have to find somebody else. <clears throat> You're not a very sympathetic person, are you? <laughs> Then you go, really, I am. I jumped over alligators myself. You can do it. It's okay. We all have our alligators. And there's another quote. I like that one. 
<laughs> so, I'm totally thinking I'm going to regret asking this, but what's what's the weirdest question oh. you've ever gotten? Oh boy. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Um, weirdest question. Mm. I oh my gosh, I'm drawing a total blank. I don't. I don't know. But wait, maybe that's proof that people actually do go to these things who are in alignment with the vibration of the other people that go to this thing. So there's never been a weird question asked. No, that one sore thumb sticking out. Have right. happen some other way. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really oh, can't think of anything. That, I don't feel like anybody's question is super weird, but then again, I'm one of those people who values questions like a lot. Well, I feel like people need to question everything. Nothing should be sacrosanct. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Question everything. Even what and, we say. Yeah, and yeah. when we when you, we say question we say everything, we mean everything. All of yeah. it. Everything, you know, the, the no thing, you can leave the no thing out. But all the rest of the things, you can question. And that's a tough one for people. Well, but everybody knows that. No. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> or it wouldn't be a question. That's you know that's interesting that you say that because it's it's like I've actually had an issue with rectifying that in my own soul because this is what I do for a living is I answer questions. <laughs> but when I think about what my intention is, it's not that people can accept my truth. It's that by by offering someone an answer, they get to the opportunity essentially to check that answer against their own internal guidance system, and then know more about what's true for them. So I feel like asking questions, regardless of who answers or how many answers you get, it gives you more opportunity to see different angles, which allows you to see a more objective view and thus make a more, you know, a decision from a space of awareness, essentially. I feel like asking questions, regardless of who's answering the questions, puts you back in touch with who you really are and your own personal truth. Because you'll be able to tell. When somebody gives you an answer and you're it like doesn't resonate with you, you feel that instant sort of like a buzz and then you get to question that buzz and you've brought yourself closer to truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, I think everybody knows that, that sensation of, of no, that's nah, not right. That's a lot of crap over there. Just, that's shenanigans. <laughs> I call shenanigans on you, shenanigans. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people know that 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 instant gut reaction to an answer that just doesn't doesn't click. Um, yeah, and so it's one of the things that that I talked a lot about in books too is like it's not going to damage your faith for you to explore beyond it. Ask questions, get oh. down and dirty, you know, like. Get digging. And, and, and dig, apply dig, it to dig, everybody. Dig. Apply it to, okay, this person yeah. says they're a spiritualist. Okay, good. Well, that's what religious people used to say, is that they were the ones that knew about spirituality. So why did you leave over there? I said, well, because their answers are baloney. Okay, well, so use that same facility on anybody. Me too. I'm, I can be full of it. 
Oh, you guys are nicer than I am. I'm the kind of person who will tell you that you don't have a right to your beliefs unless you question them. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It's true. You shouldn't. Um, You you can't claim them as your own until you've explored them completely. And that's yeah. the major problem, I, I think, with the majority of people that are religious today, is that they, they do that because that's what their family's done. They don't think outside the box. And so it's like, those aren't your beliefs. Right. You have no idea what your beliefs take, are yet. They they take the blind um, the blind information that they've been given, and they just, you know, okay, that must, I've been told it's so, so it must be so. And um, it, always, it, it always just baffles me that anybody would ever say, well, this is what this is what I was told, so it must be a truth. And I have no interest in going beyond that because I don't, I can't wrap my head around the concept of not continuing to to ask why. I guess I'm just one of those people, why? I, was, I will I was say that's the most common, going, Mom, why? That's the why? most common word out of your mouth why? that I've heard to this day is why. I like that fact. Why? That's my favorite thing. Her computer doesn't do what it, she thinks it ought to do. She just, I always know. Why? She goes, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I do it with everything, you know. I mean, I do it, I do it, it's just in everyday life. Like, um, the car does something wonky. It's, why? It's what? Lo- why are you acting up today? I need you to work. Don't be silly. Why are you acting up? Why are you being silly? I mean, it's just, it's always been my word. I want to know. I like that over there. Why? I believe this over here. Why? Why do you believe it? Don't tell me you believe something to be a truth if you can't explain why you believe it. If you can't go beyond, well, that's what I was told to be a truth. So-and-so said it's true, therefore it must be so. If you can't go beyond that, then that, that doesn't really answer my question. It just proves to me that you don't have a freaking clue. Why is definitely a very beautiful question. I think it enables us to see that every every teacher that ever teaches is essentially presenting a perspective, and a perspective is not necessarily indicative of the whole truth of reality. So instead, we need to look at what information teachers are giving sort of like it's a painting. It's an art piece. And so you're considering that art piece, considering which colors you like and don't like, which ones you want to make part of your life and which ones you don't. But nobody is is on this planet holding the card to all truth. That's an impossibility because we only represent one perspective of how many people are there on the planet? That many billion perspectives. Yeah, or otherwise there'd only be one of us here. Yes. Why would you bother? And and and, and that oh, one I, would probably have a really big headache and be really bored. That's yeah, the thing. Be, be really bored, bored with a big headache. And, and I like to remind people that all the great, you know, if they want to look back and and, and take the society long view of, you know, well, uh, Einstein did this, and he, so he was great, and that it, they were all. Every last one of them were told by authorities that they were wrong. It's not like that. Yes, it is. Yeah. Over here, it is. And and it. it <sighs> I, I, well, 
you know. That's a sound bite. <laughs> we actually have some of those in our in our little what is everyday connection video. But you could, a lot of grunting and groaning. You caught both of us and doing it's that. Not that kind of show, really. Mm. But um, it is. It's a it's a survival instinct. Hide in the corner of the cave so you won't get hurt. Thing is, I'm going to figure out what the biggest group of people believe, and then I'm going to believe that so I can be part of that group and can be protected. And uh, and thankfully. On the whole, humanity is not into conformity. Doesn't just anybody that's had kids and had a teenager can tell you conformity is not big on the human list. It just isn't. And the harder they try, the worse the rebellion gets. And um, so, thank goodness, thank George for the rebellion. Uh, we'd never get anywhere. We'd all still be, I don't know, in the corner of the cave somewhere. Well, I really would. <laughs> I mean, if not for people questioning, and it, if not for for the the very truth and existence of that dreaded word revolution, um, there would be no evolution. Yeah, it's just re-evolution, evolving yeah. again. Um, things change; they always do that. That we know, and so. Uh, your famous line from that same video. What are we doing now? What are we doing now? What are we doing now? It, it, and, and it, but I do think, you know, I love to, right here at the end of the show, I love to call out, you know, things that stick out to me. I think it's important that people listening understand that, that you know, Teal, you said it, that it's, it is. It's like hanging off the edge of the cliff, and I'm going to, oh, my God. That it that it kind of feels that way to all of us when we first do that let go thing. It's like oh shit, here I go, um, because the the safe and comfy spot is not really going to get you anywhere. Yes. And um, you know, so if your life is perfect, you like everything about it. You got no complaints about anything. Okay, you can sit in the corner. <laughs> probably not going to get on our show, but you can sit in the corner. But if there's something you would wish was a different way, then it's probably your survival instinct and or ego or whatever you want to call it is probably going to bitch and moan and complain because survival instinct, yeah, get small. Don't get noticed. Don't stick out. Stay over here and stay small with me and we'll be okay. And it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. There, I said it. It's a lie. No safe and comfy. No golden streets. No laying on clouds. Ah, a couple of weeks, no problem. But, you know, it's not a long-term solution to anything. So, as I mentioned, we are getting there towards the, uh, towards the time. That's the thing that concerns me most about expanding the show is we've got to have, like, sponsor breaks and things, and that we always run over time. Um, but we want to be sure that people know how to get a hold of you, and you've got a couple of different websites they can go to to check out your work and to see what's going on with you. What might they yeah. be? I've, uh, my principal website is www.thespiritualcatalyst.com, and 
that's the one that I've got all my new stuff that I'm doing updated on. So if you go to the home page, which is where you'll go if you type that in, or if you go to Google and type in Teal Swan or Teal Scott, either one, my name just changed. <laughs> I noticed I that. Married. I meant to ask what I should say, but I did, forgot to, so I just went with what was on the script. Yeah, Same we're one. transitioning to Swan because I got married recently. So congratulations. So, thank you. So Basically, if you go to Google and you type in either Teal Scott or Teal Swan, it comes up either way. The first result is going to be my website. And if you go there, I'm going to update that with every workshop that I'm doing and any new project we're doing. And you can see my frequency paintings there and um, a bunch of articles. And also my Ask Teal video series. That's a separate website also. You can link to it from there, though. Basically, if you go to askteal.com, it'll take you to all of the videos that I do because I release a new video every Saturday in answer to people's questions. But I've also got a personal blog which is up on the website as well which I started doing because I decided it would be really important as a spiritual guide to dispel with the idea of the Messiah complex and to just let people into the shadow aspect of my life so people get to see two sides of the coin, both the teacher and the person who's behind the veil learning. <laughs> the teacher and the student, aren't we yeah. all? Well, okay, not that one guy in the corner, but <laughs> Oh, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but I'm on Facebook also, so if anybody wants to follow my page, I've got a um the spiritual catalyst page and I've also got my personal page where I update everything as well. Very cool. And we will have all those links for for y'all on our archive of the show over on everydayconnection.me, but it's the spiritualcatalyst.com. We brought that word up. So whether you understood it or not, it probably stuck in your head. It's a weird and unusual word. And, uh, and then there's also the Ask Teal uh, website, which is just askteal.com. Because you can change your last name and you'll still be Teal. Yeah. And people will still ask, we hope, because we yeah. love your answers. <laughs> Thank you. They did. They were wonderful. And so... Yeah. Big thanks again for carving out some time to hang out with us around the fireplace and tell stories. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It was a nice conversation. All right. Tons of fun. You're fun. We'll have to do this again sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and she giggles. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I've nice never to have somebody else on the show giggles. Seriously, I've never met anybody else that giggles besides me. People are like, you're such a five-year-old. Oh. oh, no, I giggle all the time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I encourage it. I, it's I like just it. not as cute when I do it. But I giggle once in a while. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm the serious Mr. Radio announcer guy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing yeah. serious going on here. I keep trying to tell people there's just no evidence that there's anything that serious going on down here. But they don't believe me. But what about this? There's starving children in the... Oh, get Really? Uh, there's wars. There's, you know, we're all going to be vegetarian. Well, except nobody was able to convince the lions and the tigers and the bears. And the, uh, it's <laughs> and just going to go on, people. Or yeah. Gene. Well, and me too. But <laughs> You can't convince Gene. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. And someone Take told me that me. the other day. I'd, I'd really like to change your diet. I think you would be, oh, <clears throat> no. Again, if there was only one diet and one way to be and one thing to believe, there would only be one of us here. And I, I know there's really only one of us here, but that's in a different perspective type looking. 
See, there I, I roared again. You growled again. I did. All right. Uh, Time to say goodnight, Rick. All right, folks. We hope that you will join us again next time. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.